Hello and welcome to your Fairy God Mentor. This is the show that inspires, encourages, educates, and supports expected couples who desire to confidently navigate pregnancy, birth, and finding balance in an unbalanced world. I am Angie Taylor, the mother of nine with two degrees in natural health. I'm also a birth insider, knowing the ins and outs of the birth industry and all of the good, the bad, and the ugly. I've worked with expecting couples since 2003 in a variety of roles, including birth educator, birth doula, home birth midwife, breastfeeding support, and life coaching. Sit back and enjoy hearing about all the things you never knew you never knew. Nicole Schur has her master's in industrial organizational psychology. She has studied personalities, communication, conflict resolution, leadership, and belief. She has been a parent and studied many different ways on how to communicate with children. She is an accomplished author and has published two books on the needs languages. Enjoy this conversation as we talk about all the things. Welcome to this episode of Your Fairy God Mentor. Today we have Nicole Schur with us, and I'm so excited to have this conversation. So Nicole, when I introduced you, um, one of the things that I shared was that you have a master's in industrial organizational psychology. And I know that people are wondering, what is that? Well, I like to start off with a little bit of a joke when I say that you almost need a degree to say it or spell it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what it is, is, is I'm going to start off a little bit more. I was doing biz- a, lo- a little business. My family is very entrepreneur. Um, and I had done um, a minor in conflict resolution, a minor in business. And I could also go with um, my, my bachelor's into some medical stuff. And I wanted some flu, fluid, you know, being fluid. And mm-hmm. my other part of my family had, were teachers and they had done, you know, some great work around disabilities and just all these great things. And I had said, I really like the business world, but I don't like the rigid, you know, how rigid the business world is. Mm-hmm. I wanna do impact if I'm doing business. And so it was a very, psychology-based business and leadership. And I said, this is where I'm wanting to go. And the psychology aspect of it, there's so much diversity and diversity is where we're needing to go. It's where we're wanting to be fluid. And that's kind of how I started developing the personality model that I'm working on. And we're really needing to raise this next generation. They are so big on personality and diversity. Um, They are seeing that where we're going, where we've been going, we need to switch. That's why we're having a lot of the problems we're having in in our economy right now. Our economy needs to change. And that's why we're struggling. And, you know, we were talking when we, when we first met that very, very interesting things we were talking about, because what you're doing is leading to our workplace. We have to start at birth. We have to start at the beginning, because if we are not healing ourselves at the beginning, we will not have a workplace. We will not have an economy. And we have not been doing that. We have been saying, get your hands off my kids in the school. Well, if the parents aren't healthy, you've got to have them have something in the schools. And that is the biggest thing. And so that is, that is a major, major, major thing that we're not working on. And a lot of the millennials are saying, hey, I don't want kids because I'm not healthy. Um, I, I can't have kids because I'm going to pass the stuff down and they don't know how to get healthy. And we aren't having that time out to get healthy, which is what we've been needing all along. And we're passing this down to generation, to generation, to generation. And, um, we aren't, we aren't, we're doing things around me instead of we, because the, we has hurt the me. And, um, that's part of the reason the other reason why I developed the personality model is because the personality models are all about me. 
and you can't have me without we, and you can't have we me we without me. And so it was huge to really look at this and go, what's going on here? Um, employment is all about me, and there's no we, and you can't have employment without we. And right. it's the whole cycle, and everybody's not understanding the cycle. You know, um, the whole the whole uh, what is it that whole cycle of life that Lion King. Um, whole cycle of life and it's like we'll sing these songs and do this stuff but we're not getting it you know <laughs> right right it's like logically we understand but it's not hitting our heart and when I talk to people when people say to me well Angie what do you think about what's going on with this person you know is it something rooted in their childhood and I'm sitting there going I'd like to know what was going on in the world around him when he was he or she was in utero what was mom experiencing what was dad experiencing because that is where it begins Mm -hmm. and jaws drop it's like I never considered that but for so long Mm -hmm. we were taught as humans that the baby can't even hear you when it's in utero and that's been proven wrong right that's been proven wrong it's also been proven wrong that it's completely dark in the womb it's not dark in the womb the baby can tell that it's daytime versus nighttime. Um, the skin is translucent. So the, the baby can see that. Um, we've been taught that the baby is completely stupid and can't learn anything before they're out in the world. And that's been proven wrong. We know that the, the cells of the body start absorbing information in the form of emotion and thought before the brain is even formed. So by the time the brain is formed, there's already data stored there. We come pre-programmed for birth and breastfeeding and with every language of the world. Um, So babies come into the world already knowing their mother tongue. They can already understand mom and dad, Mm -hmm. everything that we say to them, but how frustrating it has to be that they cannot yet speak the language. Well, and we know whether we're wanted or whether we're not. And we develop our lives around that. Absolutely. We hear what we hear and we know the energy around that too, whether we're wanted by all the family Mm -hmm. or whether we're not wanted by the family. Mm -hmm. And we, it gets very interesting is whether we're, I mean, we we talked about this too, whether we're, we're, um, whether we're going to come out or whether we want to stay in because we know it's going to be safer to stay in the womb or come out. And that's going to, def- that's going to affect how we, how we function in, um, in our school life, how we function in community and how eventually we're going to function in the workplace. That's going to affect our learning styles. That's going to affect our communication. And one of the things that we're seeing in our society that is huge is we're seeing more and more unhealthy people reproduce and less and less healthy people reproduce because the healthier people are saying, I I, I don't know how to function. I don't know how to maneuver this. Right. Because they're not, they're not getting healthier because they're not being given those skills because they're being thrown into the workplace. And, and another thing we're, we're really taught is fear and scarcity instead of the abundance mindset, meaning that if we take this time off to get healthy, more will come and how to function in our gifts and talents and work together as a collective so that we can produce more. Because if we produce more and we work together with our gifts and talents, we can make more, we can do more together. Um, I know people who love to clean homes and I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking, what's wrong with you? I hate saying that, but they are so gifted and talented at cleaning homes. And I look at them and I go, oh, wow. And, but for me, I am so gifted and talented at finding resources. And if I could combine with someone who could, you know, clean homes and I could be resourceful, my gosh, what could we do? Or people who can grow vegetables. Oh my gosh. And or good with children. I mean, if we started working together, it would change things. But we're so busy competing, or we're so busy 
trying to find the next best thing that we're, we're losing our true selves. Right. And we're also being taught it's important to be self-reliant without understanding that self-reliance includes knowing who you know that can do X, Y, Z because you don't like it or you don't know how or you don't want to. So that's part of self-reliance as well, is knowing who are your resource people? Who can you gather together who can either teach you or are willing to do it for you as a barter system for something that you are able to do for them that they do not want to do for themselves? Um, So understanding all of those things and knowing too that as human beings in utero, the primary emotion that our mother experiences over the course of our pregnancy And our time in the uterus is the primary emotion we are going to live with until someone teaches us or we discover for ourselves how to clear it out. And one of the beautiful things that I've discovered too is that I have lots of moms come to me and talk to me about their little one. This little one is doing X, Y, Z. How can I help them? They can't even speak. They can't even fully articulate to me what's going on. And I ask the mother, what's going on in your life? And she's always a little bit shocked. Well, what is what going on in my life have to do with them? Well, human beings are 100% empathic for the first few years of life. They feel everything from everyone. So if mom Mm -hmm. is in turmoil, the little one's going to be in turmoil. And when I help to clear out the mom, all of a sudden, everything is right with the child. And they're just amazed by that. And I'm like, but you're interconnected from conception with your children. And, and we, and the other thing is not only that, but as they get older, people speak who they are, what, what, what their intention is. And you have to listen. Your children will tell you what they're thinking and what they're feeling. You just haven't learned how to listen. And they will also tell you their identity because have you ever, I mean, I remember when my son was little and I knew exactly who he was when he came out of the womb. I picked him up pretty quickly. I know exactly who my niece and nephew are. And they're, I mean, they're, they're six, seven. I know exactly who my, my other niece was. You can pick up who your kids are pretty quickly by the time they're about two years old their personalities come out very quickly and they do not change. And that's one of the other things why when I wrote my, my parenting book is we as people expect people to be just like us Mm -hmm. and we don't understand different personalities and we start to wound people because we start to accept, expect them to be like us. And we start to try and mold them. And when you mold someone to be something they're not, you are going to, um, you're going to really extremely wound them. And that is a problem we're also having in our society is we're trying to, instead of, instead of allow people to be who they are, we're trying to make them be something they're not. And this is where we're having a lot of crisis and, um, and, and problems is because we're not looking at people's gifts and talents. And we'll use people instead of barter. We'll, because we're, we're so desperate and we so need it. And we're not knowing how to belong because we're not balanced within ourselves because we don't understand the differences. And that it's like, we'll watch Sesame Street, but we won't absorb it. You know, one of these things is not like the other. And we're like, yeah, and that's good. Let that be. And um, I had a, I recently had a, I explained this model to a fifth grader and I, I did this with my stepdad too, because we're different. So um, there's four, there's right, important control and value. And we're two out of the four and a control person, if they don't have important with them, they, uh, they like their environment a certain way and they don't like to be seen in that environment. They like to control that environment. And um, I'm important and I'm always the center of attention. And when you're with a control value and an important value, that important person is just kind of, they're kind of more of a dingy, not, not in a bad way, but just kind of like in their own little world. And, 
and the I was with a fifth grader who's a control value and I'm and her father's an important value like me and he's kind of like almost like hi everybody I'm whistling and just enjoying my life and she's like oh my god my dad's always embarrassing me and I do this to my stepdad because he's a control value I'm an important value so we had a crucial conversation I said you know I'm always going to draw attention to myself it's always going to embarrass you because you're like oh my god what did you just say what did you just do you're always going to want to control the environment and not have attention drawn to you. We need to figure out a compromise. How can we make this work? And he was like, oh my gosh, I understand your personality type. You understand mine. How can we work together? If he had had this model when I was a teenager, he wouldn't have been trying to kill me. Right. And that's where understanding each other and being healthy and having these healthy communications and understanding your kids is, um, is, is crucial, but you can't get there unless you're doing what you're doing first, unless you're doing the aroma and, and getting yourself balanced because you cannot see past yourself. Right, right. And you have to be willing, <clears throat> you also have to be willing to step back and allow that other person to be who they are, right? Yeah. And to acknowledge that and accept that. I know that's one of the shifts my husband and I have recently made. Um, we have had kids express themselves to us in ways that in the past we would have been, oh, that's totally disrespectful. You don't get to talk to me like that. Um, but instead we heard them, we acknowledged what they were saying. We acknowledged them how we were feeling in that moment. Um, you know, we feel like that was very rude and disrespectful, but we are also very grateful that you feel safe to be able to say those words in whatever, you know, whatever language you need to use, whatever emotion you need to use to get your point across. So now we can sit down and we can figure out how to, how to travel from this point forward. You know, mm -hmm. acknowledging their age, acknowledging what stage they're in, or how close are they to wanting to move out, you know, that they're wanting boundaries pushed back out or they're needing boundaries drawn in, you know, just being able to really hear that in what they're saying to us, regardless of their tone, regardless of their words, regardless of how it's leaving us feeling. And that's so important for parents to do. Yeah. Yes. Yes so important because you've got to acknowledge yourself and acknowledge the other party and that is the biggest thing that people are missing is they're not learning how to acknowledge both parties and that is one of the biggest things to do in conflict resolution that's one of the biggest things to do in any sort of a happiness training or positive psychology or anything that you're doing in any sort of um, you know, retraining of yourself, you've got to acknowledge what's going on and then move into the positive or move into the silver lining. And it's, it's the, any, any sort of toxic positivity is not acknowledging the, the, the crap or the junk or the, the, the muck that you're in, because it is muck. There is a lot of serious crappy muck out there. People have gone through muck. Um, I have a, I, and I didn't know this was still going on. I have a friend who uh, helps people get out of slavery in Pakistan. That is muck. And you have to get out of not only the slavery itself, but the slavery mental mentality that right. you've been under for all those years. Then you can go into the next stage. And that is, we have to acknowledge that before we can move into the freedom aspect. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we, we all go through so much muck and I, you know, I've been telling people, you can try to ignore it all you want to, but it's hanging around Yeah. until you deal with it, until you put it to bed, it's going to hang around and it's going to come back yeah. and it's going to haunt you and you're going to try to continue to ignore it, but it's not going away. And I think that's one of the benefits of the pandemic is it has forced us to be alone with ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, the sad thing is that, that there's still too many of us that don't know how to be alone with ourselves and heal ourselves and love ourselves anyway, regardless of the things that we have done or the paths that we have traveled. 
They're part of our life story. They're part of what made us who we are today. And that is the part to find joy in. That is the part to, to celebrate and, you know, just be so excited about, look at how far I've come instead of dwelling on where I was. People Mm -hmm. love to dwell on where I was, you know, and, and instead we just need to be happy where we are. I like me here. And how can I just make myself better moving forward? Mm-hmm. Well, and it's focusing on that whole, what do I really want? What do I really like? You know, and again, it's that acknowledgement, you know, but where do I want to go? Where do I want to go from here? And I, so, I mean, and I think we talked a little bit about this. I grew up in a very traumatic home and I mean, extremely traumatic. And we grew up back in the day when there was no me too movement you know, where it was women were, if if you were in a domestic violence situation, what did you do wrong? If you were raped, and it still is to some degree that rape culture, you know, uh, we still hear the whole, uh, I was in a conflict resolution, um, a meeting, uh, or a woman was doing a conflict resolution through my alumni college. And she talks about that people still to this day say, oh, you know, we get a lot of reports of of false rapes. Well, you know, there's like, almost zero percentage. And that's a, that's right. a bunch of crap. Women aren't going to report false rapes. They, they just don't. That, that's, they're not going right. to go through that. Right. If anything, they're not going to report at all because they're going to think that they're going to be yeah. ignored. Right. Yeah. Because of that. And so we, we grew up in that and it's, it's been very marginalized. We've been very marginalized and um, there's been a lot of healing that we've had to go through. And that whole that whole thing has been uh, a transition. I don't know where it was going with this. My whole thought got lost, but um, I think a lot of it is we've had to do a lot of healing around that in our generational line as women. And it's been, it's been very challenging as women to have to give that voice. And I think we were talking about the last time about men and how that's also affected them to not know where to stand, to not know how to treat us. And how, as women, to respond, how are we supposed to be in this? And um, we're revamping ourselves. And where are we supposed to stand? Because there is a place of respect for us and a respect for um, our, is there, that comes down to there's just a bottom line of respect for humanity. And how do we heal? And it goes back into our DNA. And when we as women are, haven't been respected, then how can men be respected? Because men are made up of us and we're made up of them. Right. And acknowledging who we are from even a DNA standpoint. Yeah. You know, telling, telling a man you're not supposed to be her knight in shining armor is asking him to act contrary to his DNA. It is part of his DNA, whether we, whether we want to be okay with that or not, isn't the issue. It's a fact. That's just part of who men are. And when we tell them to deny that, it's no different than telling a woman to deny her femininity. Exactly. Now, finding balance within that is what's important. It's finding balance within your identity. It's like, and that, that's like the personality model I talk about. I have importance. Now that means that I'm going to walk in a room and I'm going to draw attention to myself. I automatically know that, but how do I find balance within that? Because if I overtake everything, mm-hmm. then I'm not balanced. Just like a control person, they're going to control, but if they, over, if they overdo it or a right person, they're going to want to be right. If they overdo it, a value person is always going to be looking for the cost benefit. They're always going to be like print almost, you know, but if they overdo it, so how do you find that balance? And I think that is the biggest thing. And it's always about balance. How do you find balance within your DNA? How do you heal your DNA? Um, and that's the biggest thing because you want to follow your destiny. Everybody has a destiny. Yep. And we have to find that destiny. And some of us want to reject that destiny. Mm -hmm. Um, That was me early last year 
was I was just trying to walk away from the whole birth side of me and everything that I knew with birth and, and just be a life coach. And it was gnawing at me. And I just didn't feel like I was whole. I felt like something was missing um, until I gathered a group of friends and I said, okay, I think, I think that my business is missing something. And I think this is what it's missing. And we had an hour long conversation and they ripped my website apart in a good way. And, um, you know, listened to me talk from my heart about where I am as a human being in regards to human beings coming into the world. That my mm-hmm. ultimate vision is that all tiny humans come into the world knowing that they are wanted, loved, respected, and safe with all other human beings. And isn't that what all of us want? All mm-hmm. of us want to know we are wanted, loved, respected, and safe with all other human beings at all times. Yeah. You know? And, and that's um, scary. It that's is scary. scary. Oh my that's gosh, you're res- that's a huge responsibility. That would scare the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can understand why you'd want to run. Yeah. Well, and, and I've looked into the eyes of those tiny humans who come into the world knowing that they are wanted, loved, respected, and safe, you yeah. know, in that environment. And and they their eyes just pierce you to your, your core. And it's just like, yeah. can we handle a world full of people that can see into your soul because they're so clear of all of the previous generations muck that they can see who you are and love you anyway. Are we ready for that? I think that that's part of the chaos that's going on in the world Mm -hmm. is to get us to where we should be by now, but we haven't gotten there yet to get us to a point where we can truly see each other for who we are and love each other anyway. Mm-hmm. yeah and that is one of the hardest things to do is see each other for who we are and love each other anyway mm-hmm. because what happens is, is our fear comes in am I going to be hurt right am I going to be hurt you know what mm-hmm. what happens what happens to me right. because the memories of all those other hurts start coming in yep And that question of, am I allowing myself to be a doormat again? Am I just people pleasing? You know, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But if we're truly healed from it, if there's no longer an emotional charge from it, it's much easier to do. But we don't come into the world knowing how to heal ourselves, how to keep ourselves clean. Our parents really have no guides on how to help their tiny humans emotionally. Um, Mm -hmm. Emotions have been a taboo conversation almost since the beginning of time. But it turns out that, you know, if a husband and wife want to have a truly intimate relationship, they have to be willing to bear their souls. And that includes their emotional state, how they're feeling about everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And understand that's part of their relationship, you know, and being able to take responsibility for how you're feeling instead of putting it on the other person. Well, you made me feel X, Y, Z when it was actually their actions. So making sure that they know when you did this, I felt this. Mm -hmm. And so we need to figure out how to, how to bridge this gap and how to fully understand each other. Um, I'm married to an engineer and they think completely different than the rest of the world. (laughs) And (laughs) Um, so when, when Dan and I got married, this sweet woman from church came over and she sat down next to me and she said, I, I, I'm hoping that what I say next helps you in your marriage. She said, I've been married to an engineer for 16 years and we've been in marriage counseling for 16 years. (laughs) And she said, she said, the most important advice and counsel I can give you is that engineers are always looking for data. They do not always ask the question in a way that you know they're just looking for data. Sometimes it feels like they're dropping a great big boulder on top of you, but he's just looking for data. He just doesn't know how to ask the question in a way that's not off-putting or hurtful because he's an engineer. They see the world in a completely different way. And so they ask questions in a completely different way, but they're just gathering data. Mm -hmm. 
And that conversation is why I'm still married 22 years later, (laughs) because I was aware of that from the beginning. And there have been times where he has asked me something and it has hurt my heart. But I just remember in my head, he's just gathering data in the only way that he knows how by asking questions. Mm -hmm. And his intention was not to harm. Mm -hmm. And so when we can get to that mindset, that way of thinking with each other, that they've asked a question, seeking data, not seeking to hurt us. How would the world change if we could all get to that point? Mm-hmm. Well, and that reminds me of something that I read. I um, and I've always thought about this. And this is, and I'm not trying to get religious on anybody when I say this. This is a statement. Jesus said, "The enemy came for me and had nothing in me." And I thought about that. When some when something comes for you and there's no negative energy, there's nothing they can do. That's no negative energy. There's nothing that can affect you. It's not that you're a robot. It's that that's not a negative energy that they can combat with you. They can't, they can't fight with you because there's nothing there. Because like what you just said, you understand you're coming from a place of understanding. You're not coming from a place of, oh, they're coming to hurt me because you've released that um, perception. You've re- mm-hmm. released that negative energy that they can fight with. You can re- release that, I'm gonna get harmed, release that fear. You're coming from a place of love. Mm-hmm. And I think that that deepens that perspective. If I'm coming from a place of I'm loved, they're loved, and how am I loving myself in this moment? And how am I loving the other person in this moment? it changes the dynamics and it's stepping back and asking that question. And a lot of people will go, well, how do you apply that? Like in the workplace or how do you apply that in the school or how do you apply that? Because then you're going, "Uh Oh, you know, you got to be careful of those boundaries, but love is a, is, is not a place of inappropriateness. Love is a place of a genuineness. Love is a place of, where you're actually coming, it is is quite appropriate because you're looking at it from a place of care. You can switch the word to a place of care, a place of compassion, a place of empathy. Right. When it's, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, all the times my kids have come to me and have told me, you know, well, so-and-so did this to me. And I'm like, Okay, so you're letting them push your buttons and you're getting upset. What else could you do? How else could you respond? Because they're pushing that button because they know you're going to get upset. So what if you didn't get upset? What if you just shrugged it off? What if it was no big deal? But mom, am I supposed to ignore the way that I'm feeling? No. Acknowledge it. Examine it. Where is it coming from? Why did it hurt you? Why, why did you feel that way? Have that conversation with them. Um, you know, and unfortunately they're, they're not mature enough to feel comfortable having that conversation. Right. So, so then it's a mom, you're just ignoring me. You're just making fun of me. No, I'm trying to teach you something that is so important. And if you learn it now as a teenager, it will serve you in a massive way as an adult everywhere you go and in every relationship you ever experience. So how do we teach our kids that, Nicole? How do we get them to that place so that they can go out into the world and start being the ripple effect? I think part of it is surrounding yourself. There's a couple of things I'm learning because I get out of the mindset Mm-hmm. Part of it is surrounding your mind constantly. I recently got out of the mindset because I got so busy accomplishing my goals. I got surrounded with a lot of negativity. And so I said, okay, what am I going to do to get myself back in that mindset? What are some things I need to do? And sometimes you have to do things on like detoxing with a fast. I hate to say that. That is one of the most uncomfortable things you can do. Right. 
but sometimes you have to retrain your mind and retrain your body. And, um, and you have to get refocused. What do I really want? Sometimes it's reprogramming your mind and getting your mind back by watching videos and listening to music and putting your mind back in those places. And sometimes it's just finding those people and surrounding yourself with those people again and again and again. Um, sometimes it's aromas, like, you know, and, and doing um, your modalities that you have to do, um, your CBTs, your EFTs, your Psyches, your, um, your uh, emotion codes. You, I mean, there are so many modalities out there. I, I highly, highly recommend finding different modalities to do and, 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 or meditations because each modality is gonna work differently for what season you're in and for what you're wanting. Um, because sometimes maybe you're in a manifestation CD, um, season and you're needing to break through to manifest. Sometimes you're in a season where you're needing to heal and release fear. Um, sometimes you're in a season where you're transitioning into something new or you're releasing. And um, I think you need to know yourself and be aware enough or have like what you were talking about a second ago. Hey, I know I'm not quite there. I'm I need to go back to the, the birthing aspect, but I, I don't know, you know, but you know, and you need people to come around you. And sometimes you need a combination of everything. You need to be doing the fast, the, the emotion code or the EFT and the people around, and you need a combo of everything because you've just been having monkey doo-doo being thrown at you for so long. You're, um, and you're, sometimes you're just going to come out and fall out and then you're going to have to come back in. And because life throws us a lot of, sometimes we, we, we come across monkeys and this last season has really thrown a lot of people for a loop we were not prepared for. Mm -hmm. um, and some of us were, were warned for some of it. And it is, there's some places that are getting darker and darker and darker. And some places aren't dealing with as much darkness. Where I'm at, we've we've we were warned that things were going to get really bad here, and it's gotten really bad in 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 my in my city, and it 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 threw me for a loop. I was even though I was warned, I wasn't quite prepared for it, and it, it really saddened me. And um, it's harder when you're when you're more alone or isolated, and a lot of a lot of my friends have left, and um, because they weren't willing to deal with what's coming down pike here. And so how do I get myself back in that place of standing? How do I, you know, and I've had to refocus. And so what I would highly suggest is finding what modality is working for you in that season and getting yourself refocused and getting your vision. And one of the things that is the biggest things that I am learning um, that I really want more than anything is I want to be so one with unconditional love perfect love, um, the source of all love, whatever you want to call that perfect love that vibrates love that no matter what you see is love where it honors, it is full of wisdom, is full of mercy, full of understanding, kindness, that's that, that, that love that you just, you know, that it is just, it vibrates that I'm willing to do anything to be that love that forgiveness that place of where you forgive others and you forgive yourself and you just walk in that place in total that just that that I can't fully describe it that I'm willing to do anything and if I fall out of that place I'm willing to do whatever it takes to come back there and that's where my goal is no matter how that happens no matter where how I find it and that has always been my place. And if I get into a place of leadership, that's how I want to lead because I've seen way too many people lead from a place of in, uh, a place of power where it's about self. Mm -hmm. I don't want to lead where it's all about others. I don't want to lead where it's all about self. That's unbalanced either right. way. It needs to be about a place of unity where it's about all of us together. It's about honoring all of us. It's about honoring that the, the source of love because 
that is part of it. It's about the whole, the whole. And that's how I personally feel. I love that because we, each one of us needs to get to that place of understanding it's about all of us. Um, one of the, the things that I do, and I don't know how I do it, but, but women will tell me all the time, why can't you be my mama? <laughs> I had a woman tell me that yesterday. You know me better than my mom does. Um, but, but having the ability to help people understand where the other person, you know, I'm not even part of the equation, but they come to me and they share with me what has happened and having the ability to show them where this other person may be coming from, mm-hmm. you know, and, and remembering that there's not a single one of us walking the planet who has not experienced trauma of some kind. Um, and so when we acknowledge that, when we can, can love each other, knowing that you have been hurt deeply by somebody at some point, and I am here to love you anyway, and to show you that there are people who do know how to love Mm -hmm. that is extremely healing as well. Um, but we have to be able to be willing to, you know, as we've said before, we've got to be willing to look at our own stuff and heal ourselves and then turn outward and share our gifts and our talents with others because we've been given those gifts and talents for that very purpose to bless others with those gifts and talents. Mm -hmm. And it's very powerful when you have that gift and talent to talk to people. I know, um, for me, I have had um, recently, uh, we've, I've been really big on inclusion. I don't know how this door is open for me, but, um, and it really breaks my heart um, when, and I've been, I've been very blessed to be able to talk to the millenn- a lot of millennials about diversity and um, minority and being of different ethnicity. And my family hid that we were Jewish for a very long time. And we could because we were white and a lot of people can't hide their ethnicity. And, um, recently my, uh, we grew up where, uh, my son grew up where his, his, uh, friend was, her mother didn't speak any English and I didn't care. I mean, we were all family, you know, and her daughter had almost died. And, you know, we had, we had hugged and we were just like family, you know, it was like, we were, we spoke mom language. And we recently, I got in contact with her and she starts telling me all the racism she experienced in college and my heart. And we're able to talk about these things. And my son now has a girlfriend and she starts telling me about the minority issues she's having and, you know, and opening and talking about this stuff and healing this stuff is so huge because people need to be heard. People need that that to be able to speak that stuff and not be told is not okay. They need to not stay stuck there. You know, I need to not stay stuck that my family hid that we were Jewish because they were afraid of dying. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to not stay stuck there. And I need to not, you know, and, and, and we need to start being able to have that voice but being able to release that anger and that injustice that's been done to people who are, who are of minority status. And, and that is also one of the other reasons why I went into industrial organizational psychology is because I have a learning disability. My aunt, um, and I don't, I think they would call it nowadays high functioning autism. And I have watched people with disabilities get the really crappy end of the stick in, in workplace situations, they have a two to three times higher unemployment rate and they are treated so poorly. And I am so tired of that minority status and not getting, and they're so capable and there's so many things, but because people don't understand ableism and my heart is really to bring healing and show that there's so much out there everybody. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your gender. And you know, it doesn't matter your disability. And there's, 
is ability within context and everybody has ability within context mm -hmm. and we need to give voices so people can heal so they can go into their destiny and do amazing things because when we all are a piece of that puzzle and we all put that puzzle together it is a beautiful picture and we do we create so much healing and so much beauty and that excites me it's not about competing. It's about working together. And I get excited. That makes me happy. And I get passionate about that. Nicole, I love what you're doing. I, I, and I'm so glad that our passions align and that, yeah. you know, we're on different sides of the, the human spectrum. You know, I'm working with tiny humans to bring them into the world. And I want them to come into a world where, um, I don't know if you're going to like what I'm about to say, but where you're no longer needed because mm -hmm. we all get it, yeah. right? Wouldn't that be amazing? To, I've always told all of my clients, you know, my job, even as a midwife is to teach you so much about the human body and how it functions and, and giving birth that, you know, you can give birth in the middle of a field without me. I'm not required in order for it to happen. And that's where we all need to get. So we all need to get to that place where we are just so involved with each other and love each other so much and so unconditionally that we're willing to do whatever it takes for one another to know that each one of us is loved. Each one of us is valued. Each one of us has a place in our society um, instead of being told, well, you don't have a place because of X and you don't have a place because of Y and we need to get rid of you because of Z. It's just a bunch of malarkey. You know, we were all put here together on the planet at the same time for a reason. And we need mm -hmm. to figure out how to heal ourselves so that we can get to work with that reason. Because mm -hmm. we all have the same, when you, when you talk to people, we all have the same ultimate goal. Yeah. I just want to love people where they are and support them and guide them in whatever way I can using my talents, my gifts, my passion in a good way to uplift humanity. Exactly. You know, I, I haven't talked to anybody that, it, you know, really truly believes that, well, I'm just here to drag everybody down into the gutter. <laughs> <laughs> no, and studies actually show we are all here. We all want to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Studies show we all need belonging and we all want to make a difference. That is, that is, those are two facts. And I'll be honest with you. I really would prefer not to be out there trying to teach everybody ableism. I would rather have everybody accepted. I would rather teach the personality model and say, this is how our personalities work. This is how you communicate. Oh, great. Now you all know how to do it. Let me go do with something else. I'm great with doing multiple things. I sing symphonic metal. I would rather be in a symphonic metal band singing symphonic metal and having people listen to my music and they're all encountering love the way they're designed to. I'd love to be doing that. I have multiple things I can be doing. So yeah, let's all get this part together and I can go do that because I love to sing. You know, um, right. yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I'm tired of, of, of having to, I mean, I'm not that I'm tired. I love doing this too. I mean, don't get me wrong, but you know, let's get it together. Come on. It's time to start loving each other mm -hmm. because those people who are the 1% that are hoarding everything at the top, they are not happy people. Mm -hmm. I can almost guarantee you they're not because they're so busy trying to keep everything that they can't, you know, I would not be happy. And I can guarantee most of the people up there aren't happy using people. You're not happy when you're in that place because you're not living to your fullest potential and you're afraid because you're always a fear you're going to get caught. So, but I, I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. But let me go out there and sing some symphonic metal and have people uh, encounter God encounter love the way they're designed to. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> each, each time that I encounter a woman that's been broken by a human being who didn't understand what it means to give birth. I mean, the true meaning of giving birth um, is not about just pushing a human out into the world. It's about turning a woman into a mother 
um, for her new family. Um, so there is a huge transition that happens there. But I just sometimes come home and I just tell my husband, I'm so tired of fixing broken women. If we could just get it right, if we could just figure it out, if people would just stop trying to control something that we don't have control over, when you stop trying to control it, things just you know, unravel in the most beautiful way, exactly as it was supposed to unravel for that woman and that child and that family. And she comes out of it knowing that she is whole, complete, and perfect. And she is the exact person she's supposed to be for her new family. Magic happens. Yeah. But we try to control too much. We, we try to keep everything in a box. Mm -hmm. And not everything belongs in a box. Some things are supposed to be, you know, very fluid outside the box because it's being itself and doing, doing what it was designed to do. It's that fear. Fear is a fear is torment. And when we're in so much control, it's that fear is, is that um, we're, we're not, I see it as um, love is like a blanket and it holds me when I'm in that fear, you know, that, that, that unconditional love holds me and lets, and helps me release that fear. And um, because it releases the fear and gives me the ability to let go of the fear. Mm -hmm. Removes all fear. That's, that's a beautiful way to think of it. Because as you were saying that, I was thinking of oxytocin. Um, when we give someone a hug that's longer than eight seconds, you can physically feel the pulse of oxytocin that just relaxes both of you. And yeah. you just seem to release the stress and pressures of the world in that moment. Yeah. And um, I've actually had a, had the opportunity to have a group of women, women in a room and I had them face each other. So they were in pairs of two and I said, mm -hmm. okay, I just want you to hug each other. And they hugged each other, you know, like we do with just a few seconds and, and you're done. And I was like, okay, now I really want you to hug each other and I'm going to time you. <laughs> and I will let you know when it's been eight seconds and I want you to feel the difference. And so they hugged each other again and they were waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And I finally told them it's been eight seconds. And there was such a shift of the feeling of the room because every woman felt that oxytocin. Every woman felt the difference between that quick superficial hug and that mm -hmm. meaningful hug that only took eight seconds. Mm -hmm. And the way that they interacted with each other after that point was completely different than they had been interacting with each other prior to that. Yeah. Yeah. Just because they got to feel what it really feels like to be loved. Because mm -hmm. that's what oxytocin does for us. It lets us know we were loved and we're trusted and we're in a safe and secure place. Mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> you and I are just sitting here just dreaming about the world we want I know I know <laughs> I, I could talk to you for hours I get really I get really like loopy on this stuff because it's so I kind of discovered this stuff on my own and I had to retrain myself because there was no one out there that was able to work with me because I had been so traumatized. And back when I found out what I had gone through, no one had really heard what I had gone through and no one knew what to do. And I was actually called a liar. People didn't know about satanic ritual abuse. People didn't know what to do with that. People were like, that doesn't exist. And now they're finding out about it. Now they're talking about it. But back then they're like, no, that doesn't really happen. And I'm like, I have memories, you know, a few memories here and there. And they're like, no, no, that, that doesn't really, people, people don't, uh, people over-report sexual abuse. Really? You think I'm making this up? Wow. Oh yeah. And I'm like, why, why would I make this up? 
mm-hmm. you know, and um, and then later, you know, the, the whole Catholic stuff came out and I'm like, yeah, my grandpa was hanging out with the, some of the priests and stuff like that, and, you know, and some of the stuff, uh, yeah. And so, um, you know, uh, you know, you kind of go, huh? And, and and not that Catholics are bad. I mean, there's some amazing Catholics out there. Absolutely. I've gone to yeah. some uh, Catholic uh, meditation places that have been fabulous. And I was in a Catholic meditation group with some amazing ladies. I'm very fabulous, wonderful women. It, it but you know, things happen, and it, there are bad people or people not bad people. There are people who make poor choices. Mm-hmm. Um, everywhere. Everywhere. Yep. So you know. But you, I've learned never, I don't care if people, I've had people say, you hurt me in a past life. And I've gone, oh, I'm sorry I did that. Do you want to heal that? You know, mm-hmm. I just let people believe what they want to believe in and, and walk them through it. Uh, but it t- took me a longer journey because no one was there. And I had to figure this, all this stuff out on my own. So when you're helping people through this, they're very fortunate. Because there's a lot of, there's, it took a lot of time. And now we're starting to get people out there who are working with this and understand this, but there are pioneers. I mean, you're a pioneer because it's just starting to come out. And there weren't a lot of people back in the, back in the early 2000s doing this. And, you know, there still aren't a lot. It still can be challenging to find people doing this kind of work. Yeah, I agree. And we need to, uh, this podcast will help spread that word that you know we, we need more people understanding the significance of the spiritual emotional side of the human being and how it significantly impacts the mental physical side of the human being and you know that these things need to be healed the the biggest mantra in the birth world is well healthy mother healthy baby and to most people that just means no one died And they don't understand that if a mom is leaving her birth experience and she is feeling as though she was sexually assaulted, this is not a healthy mother. And because the mother and child are so emotionally and hormonally intertwined with one another, it means this is also not a healthy baby. So we have got to have ways of helping them work through whatever happened during the birth process in order to be able to say, this is truly a healthy mother and her healthy baby. Well, and like you talked about, it's not just the birth process, it's through the whole pregnancy because that whole pregnancy affects that child and through their adult life. Because if that woman is in a sort of domestic violence situation or stress, that mother may not have a a miscarriage, but there's still things that are left over in her womb. There are things that can happen for the next baby that, or, I mean, or that can come if, if the mother has a death with the baby and there's a child there in the room, or that the mother has a birth with children and there's just children in the house and she's birthing a baby in the house that can affect how the children, when they get older, are going to have their babies. And there's so many factors involved mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. really not just one little coin piece. I mean, we talked about that because like my mother had a baby in the house and how that affected me. And I'm like, babies don't come out that way. That's no, they don't come out that way. And I ended up having a C-section, you know, um, I've, I'm still scared to have babies come out that way. And I've only had one child, you know, I mean, that, right. that, that freaks right. me out because, and I didn't realize until after we talked that that's big reason why my mother did not prepare us for having mm-hmm. a baby in the house. And, mm-hmm. and she, to this day goes, Oh, that was the best birth I ever had. I'm like, that was not a good experience for me. Right. And those are the <laughs> things we don't think about, don't think about, you know, as, as you know, pregnant I, women, I, we don't always think about, you know, making sure that everybody that's going to be present is prepared for what's about to happen. Especially if all that, you know, if you're having your mother there and all she's experienced is hospital births 
um, but you're giving birth at home, it's a completely different experience. Um, and so it's really important to prepare people for what they're going to witness because it's, it's completely different than, than, you know, just going through the motions and following what the doctor tells you to do and being on an epidural and, um, you know, whether a woman has a C-section or not, having a baby at home or even in the hospital without medication is completely different than what they show on TV, what they show in the movies, what most people have witnessed in the hospital. Um, it's vitally important to prepare everyone who's going to be involved for what's mm -hmm. different. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And you know, I, <clears throat> and it is one of the most wonderful experiences to have a child. Mm -hmm. Also experiencing when after my had my son, I had they had wheeled me away because it was a C-section and I, I woke up and my baby's nowhere to be found. That is freaky. And I'm like, where's my baby? Where's my baby? Oh, we'll go get, get you to him in a little bit. Where's my baby? Where's my baby? How come I don't have my baby? Well, that's going to affect a lot of things going forward after that. Because so, then it's going to affect the bonding. It's going to affect, and if the mother has any sort of rejection issues from their parent, you know, with their growing up, that's going to affect, mm -hmm. you know, and one thing we, we didn't talk about is, and one thing I, um, I am working on with my training is we easily can make our children our emotional spouses. Mm -hmm. And that's another unhealthy thing, especially if we ever become single parents or we didn't get our needs met by our parents. And when we do that, how that affects our children. And then when you have to break it, how that affects our children, because that is really challenging. And for a while I made my son, my emotional husband, and that was not fair to him. And when I had to break it, because of my issues of growing up, because of what happened to me, it was, and I never did anything inappropriate. I want to make that very, very clear. It was emotional and that's not right. And when I had to cut that off, that was very, very challenging and very, very painful, but I had to do it because it was not fair and right for him and unhealthy. And we do that. And, and part of that was part of that experience and that affected that getting, getting older. And we have those are things that do affect that in that birth process. Absolutely. Yeah. We've got to heal ourselves. And yeah. I think pregnancy is like the perfect time for a woman to start that journey. She's most likely not going to be able to finish it during her pregnancy, but she's going to be able to get rid of a lot of it during the pregnancy. Um, it's part of what pregnancy is for is to help us give us that opportunity for healing, whether we take it or not, the opportunity is there. Um, yeah. and, and we have so many modalities now for people to, to play around with, which one do I like best? Um, make a list yeah. of the ones that you like best and then have those be your go-tos. And sometimes one is going to do the job and sometimes it's going to take a variety of all of them. Um, but yeah. you know, being, being willing to know I'm not a perfect human being, but I've got these tools that can help me be better. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's what I've loved about my journey. I mean, I've gotten my EFT certification. I got CBT. I got happiness. I've got positive, positive. Um, you know, I've done basic psyche. I've done, you know, now I've got the needs languages and how to manifest through the needs languages. I've been able to develop that through a lot of what I've done. And, you know, it's been able to you know, do all these things have so helped me in my journey and not being stuck with one and, and learning all these different modalities has exactly what you're saying. Pick your favorite ones uh, and find people you align with because for a season, you may be with one person and then the next season you're with another person. And that's not bad. It's not meaning that you're flipping around with different people. It may mean that this season, this is the person that you're needing. Um, because uh, people are in your life for seasons. Some people are in your life for a long season and some people are in your life for a short season. And I mean, we wish people were in our lives for a long season, but sometimes that's not always gonna happen. I um, was with a woman for 
a short, she knew how to work with SRA people, you know, the satanic ritual. And um, she worked with me and she really healed some major stuff in me. I share some wild stories. And she ended up passing away. It was very sad, but she was in my seat in my life for a short period of time. But what she gave me was some of the greatest gifts. And I will be eternally grateful to her. And that's what I mean by a short season, you know, and I am so grateful. And so that's where it comes from is that place of gratitude. So, yeah. I love that. Thank you so much, Nicole, for being here with me for this episode. I am just excited to hear from those who, who listen to this, the things that they learned and um, just to, to see the comments that come up. I'm hoping that people will reach out to either you or me for more help and support. Um, do you have anything special um, that you would like to give to the audience? Um, anything on your website that they can go and grab that can help them? to get started on this journey? Well, right now on Amazon, I am having uh, the uh, the needs language, bringing balance and belonging in dating. Uh, the Kindle um, version is for unlimited people is free. The, the, the nice. just the Kindle is unlimited. I will um, always try and keep one of the uh, needs languages on unlimited for free. Uh, so that people can get an introductory and understand that. Uh, I am, I do have some coaching. I'm coming out um, with a, uh, a, a teaching or a video uh, training um, on how to discover your needs languages so that you can know how, how your personality is and you can figure out other people so you can start learning how to communicate. We will be coming out with more trainings to learn balance and how you communicate. So those will be coming out in the future. Uh, we do have a partnership book coming out. Um, we're planning coming out this February because February is the love month, apparently. Um, <laughs> tradition, you know. Um, other than that, I think that's pretty much it. Again, I'm doing some coaching. Uh, I do have other certificates that I kind of mentioned. Um, but that's pretty much it. And then I do want to give you a big social distancing hug because I'm not in Oklahoma. Otherwise, I'd give you a, a real hug of more than eight seconds. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, eight means new beginnings. So I think I'd want to go maybe nine because I think nine means bearing fruit, which means like, you know, bearing fruit means that whole strawberries coming out of the, you know, and apples mm -hmm. off the apple tree and I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's still winter time. I'm thinking springs and summers around the corner, which is a little warmer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, thank you again for being here. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. To learn more about me, your fairy god mentor simply go to angie taylor fairy god mentor.com